Um, well, hey, we are uh, in our series in the book of Matthew, and we're just going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. And man, it has just been, it's just been powerful. And what we're learning is, is that Matthew is trying to help us see who Jesus is. Matthew is trying to help us understand what Jesus was trying to bring, what Jesus was trying to establish. And what Jesus was trying to establish is the kingdom. That's the, that's the kingdom of God, the kingdom that matters, the real kingdom, not a political kingdom, not a geographical kingdom, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom that matters, the kingdom that is real. And, and so Jesus is trying to get us to understand that, and Matthew is trying to help us to understand how Jesus is the Messiah, the one who had been prophesied about going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the one who was going to make all things that are wrong right again. That's what Matthew's trying to get us to understand. And so we're going verse by verse, and we're seeing who Jesus is, and man, it's, it's changing us. It's transforming us. We're going verse by verse, and today we're going to talk about uh, Matthew chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, that's where we find ourselves at in our series. And we're going to talk about the moment that, that sometimes we realize in life that we've gone too far. Ever had a moment where you feel it is? I've gone too far. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I had that moment when I was uh, a new driver. Come on, how many of you remember when you were, how many of you remember when you got your driver's license? Just raise your hand. Wasn't it, come, come on, raise your hand if you remember that moment you got your driver's license. Wasn't it amazing? I mean, think about it. Freedom. The open road. Life is a highway, and I want to drive it all night long. <laughs> um, you remember that, right? It was so much fun. It was so much fun. You're like, man, this is incredible. I get to go where I want. Mom and dad don't have to drive me anymore. Mom and dad don't have to take me anywhere, everywhere. Now I can go myself. It is freedom. But how many of you know it could also be foolishness? And for me, it was. I'm sorry to say, I was a bad driver. So young people, learn from my, my mistakes. Don't, don't follow me in this way. I was a bad driver. And in my first year of driving, this is a true story, I had accumulated six points on my driver's record. <laughs> That's really good insurance costs when you're 16 and you've got six points on your... Whew. I thought it was like a game. The more points you got, the better you were doing. And turns out it was more like golf. You know, you want to have less points. Um, and so anyways, my dad, my dad was gracious. And then after six points, he's like, you are not driving anymore. Uh, the state of Michigan would still allow me to drive. Uh, but the residents of the Obramski family said no. So my dad said, you can't drive anymore. It was his way of saying, you've gone too far. And honestly, it was the best thing that could happen to me because uh, I straightened up. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, what am I doing? I'm like, I, this is not okay. Like, I'm speeding a lot. I was driving. just wasn't driving well. I'd gotten to a slight hit and run. It was just a little thing. Just, I, mean, I mean, I don't think it was my fault still. I, anyways, um, but I, I, needed, I needed not to do that anymore. And, and so, and so I, I, had to, I, had to, I had gone too far. My dad said, okay. When the police pull you over, it's their way of saying, you've gone too far. Um, when you go out of bounds in a game, it's the ref's way of telling you, you've gone too far. And I want to talk about boundaries today because 
boundaries are actually really, really helpful. They're really important because they're a way of adding value to the thing that you're participating in. Without boundaries, it doesn't matter, right? If you didn't have boundaries in a game or rules within a game, then the game wouldn't matter. Like if, like, if you're playing football and, like, the ref's kind of like, I don't know, it's close enough, looks good, you know, yeah, did you get to the first down or not? Ah, sure, why not? I mean, it would drive you crazy. Or if he was like, did you score a touchdown? Ah, uh, not yet. No, I'm across the line, I know, but I changed my mind. That, that would be nuts. Boundaries add value. Or if in basketball, like, every shot that you threw up was automatically a point. You would score a lot of points, but the game would be pointless, Right? So boundaries add meaning. Boundaries add value. And that's what I want to talk about today because in life, there is meaning in life. And the meaning is found in the boundaries. How do you know if you're in or if you're out? How do you know if you're doing this thing right or if you're doing this thing wrong? And is it possible to go too far? Is it, is it possible to be too far gone in your relationship with God? And that's the question that Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 12. And I'm gonna tell you, it's like the most important question that we can ever answer. Like if we believe anything of the Bible, like if you believe the Bible at all, it all comes down to this right here. And you see this, what Jesus is doing over the last several chapters, the last few chapters, and especially the last few verses, Jesus is getting more and more serious. He's getting more and more specific. He knows he's going to the cross, he knows that everything that he is doing has eternal implications. Like it's really significant. God, it, you know, coming as human flesh, dying for the sins of the world, this really matters. And he wants everybody to understand. And it's, it allows us to ask the question and answer it. Have we gone too far? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Have you gone too far? Just write that down gone too far, question point, question mark. Have you gone too far? And that's what we're talking about in our next passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, and I can't wait to unpack this together. I wanna read through a couple verses, draw some conclusions, and then we're gonna talk about really what Jesus is trying to get across here, which is super important. So if you're ready to jump in, learn, and grow together, say, I am. Yeah. Let's go. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, we talked about this verse briefly at the end last week, if you were with us, and what Jesus is saying is there's two kingdoms. Again, this is the idea, the continual idea of Matthew. There's two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom. There's the enemy's kingdom. There's the kingdom of the spirit, which is the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of the flesh, which is what our enemy, is what he, what he works on and how he uh, attempts us and attacks us. And Jesus basically says, you're either with God or you're not. You're for God or you're against him. You're helping move the kingdom forward or you're actually trying to keep it from moving forward. And so what Jesus says, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. That's good news. Everybody go, ah. Because that feels really good. Because how many of you know you've sinned? How many of you know the person sitting next to you has sinned? A lot. 
We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. And here's the reality. One sin will keep us from God because God's perfect. Like, he is perfect. There's nothing unholy that can be in his presence. But Jesus is telling us every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. Man, that's good news. Can I get a hallelujah? (laughs) Come on, somebody. That's good. Every single thing, big or small, every little lie. Every little time you cheated, when you should, every time when you stole something when you were small, from the from the convenience store, or when you stole something last week, (laughs) every single sin can be forgiven. Every time you rooted for the Broncos in a previous life, I mean, the Lord can forgive that. No, he he loves the Lions fans. so, So he loves the Lions fans always. There's. He'll even forgive you for saying that right now. (laughs) But he's saying, so every sin can be forgiven. Every sin can be forgiven except one. Watch this. But blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. So he's talking like there is a a place when you can know that you've gone too far. Now, again, this this is not me. This is not my opinion. This is not something that some church leader in the, in the past has said. This is Christ. This is Jesus saying, you know if you're in or if you're out. You know if you've gone too far or if you haven't, if you've blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, verse 32. He says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. So you can say something against Jesus. You can criticize the Lord. You can take his name in vain, and it can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. Man, this is a big deal. (laughs) This is past the point of no return. This is like there's no, you've gone too far when you've blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. If this is Jesus saying this, this is really important. This is really important. What's he saying here? The word blaspheme is the Greek Uh, The transliteration of that word is blasphemia, and it literally means to slander or to speak harm. It's harming someone's character. It's harming someone's nature, or you could say defaming one's purpose. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's what he's talking about, and we're going to get to that here in a second, but it has everything to do with the condition of our hearts, and that's what Jesus goes on to talk about in verse 33. Make a tree good. And its fruit will be good. So you put some fertilizer, you make a tree good, and man, that tree's gonna bear fruit. And if it's an apple tree, it's gonna bear? Yes. And if it's a pear tree, it's gonna bear? If it's a fig tree, it's gonna bear? For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And so what he's saying is our hearts are the trees, and the fruit is primarily what we say. Watch this. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Now, he's talking again to the religious leaders. He's talking to the people who are keeping people from God. He's talking to the people who are making it difficult for people to experience God's goodness. And he says, you brood of vipers, how can you say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And he says, you're evil. Now, verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, let me pause for a moment. We're going to come back and we're going to tease this out. But he's talking about 
two judgments. He's talking about two judgments. The first judgment that he's talking about is for believers. So if you're a follower of Christ, if you made Jesus Lord of your life, there is a judgment that you will experience, and that is for everything you have said and done. Everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> That's, how many are you looking forward to that one? <laughs> you're, you're in heaven. You make it to heaven, but you're going to have to give an account for what you've said and what you've done. That's the first judgment that he's talking about. The second one that he's talking about is, we'll unpack, is for uh, unbelievers. That's where they'll stand before God, and God's like, hey, listen, depart from me. I, I didn't know you. And so you have no place. You cannot come in. And we're going to unpack that here in a second. But I just want to point that out. And it has everything to do with our words, which are an expression of our heart. So what allows us to experience God? Where are our hearts centered? Where are our hearts focused? What causes us to miss out on God? Our hearts turning from God and our words telling where our hearts are. And the people who don't seem to get this, what Jesus is trying to do, he's trying to make this super simple. What Jesus is trying to do is make, hey, I want you to understand, faith is not difficult. This is not complicated. This is, this is not about all these little rules and all these little things that you're trying to follow. It's super simple. But the people who just can't seem to understand it are the religious leaders. Verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Have you ever had a moment when you've been pouring out your heart to somebody and they say something so absolutely stupid <laughs> that they show you that they have not been paying attention to one single thing you've been saying? Have you ever been there? Drives you crazy. That's Jesus in this moment. He's like, are you, he's like, he's pouring it out. He's like, I want you to understand. I want you to understand what it's all about and, and what, the, what gets you in, what gets you out. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about the spirit revealing Jesus. And, and they're like, yeah, can you do another trick? <laughs> now, we heard you do some cool tricks. And we're all here and we thought maybe you could do one. And this is in spite of Jesus healing a leper healing the centurion's servant, calming a storm, healing the guy who was demon-possessed, healing the paralytic, raising a girl from the dead, healing the woman with the issue of blood, and healing two guys that were blind just up to this point in the, in the gospel of Matthew. He's already done all of these things. And they're like, yeah, can you do something else? The reality is some people don't want to be convinced. You know, I've often thought, I've often thought, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus walked the earth today and a camera crew followed him around. You know, wouldn't it be cool, like, you know, just like, because then it would be undeniable. Then you see him walking on water and, you know, and they'd have the drone footage right there, you know, from every angle and be like, this is undeniable. You see him passing out the loaves and fish and, and all the different testimonials would be right there and, and it would be undeniable. People will be like, oh, I just saw it, and they just kept coming. It was amazing, and that was the best bread I've ever had in my life. But you know, it's simply not true. Because you know what would happen? People would be like, oh, no, that's CGI. I oh, know, that's a trick. Or people would be like, oh, no, no, that's a, that's, that wasn't Jesus. That's a deep fake. That's what people would do. People would explain it away because the reality is, do you believe or do you not? 
And so Jesus, these guys are asking for another sign, and Jesus is like, I can't believe you guys. He says in verse 39, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. How many know it's not a good day when the Lord is calling you adulterous and wicked? Not a great day. He says, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. You guys remember Jonah? Anybody remember Jonah? If you're new to church, Jonah's this guy, Old Testament. God tells him, I want you to go preach to these people. He's like, I can't stand those people. He's like, I want you to go preach to those people. He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. And he runs away from God's call. And he gets on this ship to Tarshish, fun word to say. And he's going away from God. Storm surrounds the ship. Jonah knows the storm is because of his disobedience. So he's like, guys, throw me overboard so you guys can be saved. And he thinks he's going to drown. And instead, a giant fish comes and swallows him. Which, which at this, is an amazing experience if you think about it. I mean, it's got to be one of the single-handedly, like, just most amazing experiences that anyone's ever had and most disgusting experiences that anyone's ever had. I don't even like touching fish. Can you imagine how disgusting and how smelly and how horrible it was to be in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights? That's Jonah. And Jesus says, none will be given except the the sign of Jonah. Now, what's he talking about here? This is critical to understanding this passage, and this is critical to understanding everything. Look at verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. He's like, at the end, at the judgment, the people who repented in Nineveh are going to be like, are you kidding me? You all had Jesus in the flesh, and yet you would not believe. He's like, and then he goes on, Jesus says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. He's talking about the queen of Sheba in the Old Testament when she would come and, uh, to, to Solomon, and she'd be like, man, I heard about your wisdom. Everybody's been talking about how wise you are. I've come just to listen. I've come just to soak it up. I've come to lean in. And, and Jesus is like, she's going to rise up at the judgment and be like, are you guys kidding me? You all had Jesus, and yet you asked for something else. Some people just don't want to be convinced, and Matthew is writing all of this down because he wants to make sure we don't miss it, just like these Pharisees. There's three thoughts that I believe that we can get from this that are really, really important that will help us that will help us understand not only what this passage means, but what God is all about. Number one, God wants our hearts to be in the right place. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps us put our hearts in the right place. And number three, our words reveal where our hearts are placed. Three thoughts that I believe will help us understand who Jesus is and how to make sure that we have not gone too far. Before we jump into this, I want you to find three people and say, hey, don't worry. There's still hope for even for you. Come on, find three people and say that. There's, don't worry. Even for you. There's still hope. 
You look a little hopeless, but there's hope even for you. First thought, God wants our hearts to be in the right place. He wants our hearts to be in the right place. And that has everything to do with understanding why all of this is. Why are we here? Why did God make us? Why, why did God allow us to experience him? Why is there sin in the world? You have to understand why in order to understand any of this. And the reality is, the reason why is because God loves people. That's low-hanging amen fruit, y'all. I'm just saying, like, that is like, it doesn't get any easier. God loves people. <laughs> it's simple. He does. God loves people. He loves everybody. And he created people out of his goodness. So out of his generosity, he did, the Bible teaches that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit were chilling in eternity past. They were, they were good. They didn't need us. God didn't need us. But he chose to make us out of his goodness because he is good and wanted to share his goodness. So he makes us out of his goodness so that we can experience his goodness. God loves people. And his desire is that every single soul experiences forgiveness now and heaven for eternity. So that's what he's talking about in this passage. In this passage, he's talking about two judgments, one for believers and the other for unbelievers. Again, the first judgment is for believers. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's where we're gonna be judged for what we say and what we do, Matthew chapter 12. But I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. You can also see this in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians 5, and 2 Timothy 4. Every empty word. How many of you are talkers? You better admit it. You're in church. Come on. Just raise your hand if you're a talker. Come on, loud and proud. You all, you all got some problems. I'm just saying, the Bible, every empty word, if you talk a lot, <laughs> if you talk a lot and you say some stupid stuff, you're going to be judged on it. You're going to be judged on it. But here's the other thing. It's a double blessing because you're going to be rewarded for the good things you say. So talkers, go get it. <laughs> but Jesus is saying this, for the believer, you will be judged for everything you do and everything you say. For the good things, you're going to be honored. For the bad things, you're going you're gonna to lose honor. You're going to lose rewards. I mean, this is throughout the Bible. It's a teaching of Scripture. So Jesus mentions this, but the main, the main topic of this passage is a different judgment. It's the great white throne judgment. And this is only for unbelievers. What Jesus is trying to get us to understand is who's in and who's out. Who makes it and who doesn't. And let me say, this is pretty important stuff. It's pretty important. It doesn't get any more important than this. Matthew chapter 12 he says, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment. What judgment? The great white throne judgment. It's referred to in Daniel chapter 12, John 5, Revelation 20. You can find other references to the great white throne judgment. This is where we are allowed into heaven or not, and it all comes down to have we testified to having Jesus be the Lord of our life or not. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Can you say it? Can you mean it? 
That's it. That's literally all it takes to make it to heaven. That's so beautiful. It doesn't take all of these good works. It doesn't take helping 10 old ladies across the street in your lifetime. That's a good thing to do. It doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't take perfect church attendance, although encouraged. <laughs> Thank you for every Sunday that you're here. We love having you. It doesn't take perfect church attendance. It's not about how much money you give. That doesn't get you to heaven. That doesn't get you. What gets you to heaven is faith in your heart that looks like being able to say, Jesus is Lord. Starts with the tree, looks like the fruit. Okay, you tracking? That's what Jesus is saying. Everybody who's willing to do that and everybody who can do that makes it into heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. It's so simple and it's so powerful. And it's not just heaven. It's where eternity comes online in our hearts. It's where the spirit of God, when we believe, say, God, I believe in you. That simple act of faith in our heart and proclaiming it with our words, that simple act unleashes eternity. It's like an explosion of eternity in our hearts. And it fundamentally changes everything about us. That's what the Apostle Paul will talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Starts in the heart, expresses in the mouth, and it changes everything about us, and this is what God so desperately wants us not to miss out on. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. That's the second thought. The Holy Spirit helps us get our hearts in the right place. He helps us. I had a, uh, a colonoscopy this week. That was fun. If you've never had one, you should try it. It's amazing. I have a whole new appreciation for flushable wipes. That's all I have to say. <laughs> a whole new appreciation. Well, right before the procedure, if you're not familiar with the procedure, <laughs> I don't want to get into too much detail. But they stick a camera up your butt. <laughs> like really far. <laughs> like several feet. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's, there's a point. This, it's, okay. <laughs> Needless to say, I was happy I was not awake for the procedure. But right before the procedure, they put you on all this medicine, makes you go to the bathroom a lot. And, uh, and so right before, I'm like, oh man, I, <laughs> I've got one more in me. So. Uh, <laughs> And I felt bad for the doctor. I didn't want, I don't know how this works. I didn't, I didn't want to poop on him while he was doing it. Like I, I felt the responsibility to do my part. <laughs> Anyways. So I went to the bathroom right before and you know, you're in your gown and you have the IV hooked up. And so like nurse Gary helped me get to the bathroom. He had the, the IV and I was holding the gown and he puts it in there. And so went to the bathroom and helped me back. And, and uh, I couldn't have, I, I needed help to get to the bathroom. But one thing I could not have done for sure 
is perform the colonoscopy myself. I could not have done that. Would not have wanted to do that. And another thing that's for sure I could not do is perform open heart surgery myself. There's no way, there's no way I would be able to do that. I think it's physically impossible. Maybe, it's, maybe somebody's done it, but it's, it's not advice. The reality is none of us can get our hearts in the right place. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit is actively looking to help us continually get our hearts in the right place. Jesus talks more at length about this in John chapter 16. He says in verse seven, but very truly I tell you, I wanna, this is a little chunk of scripture I wanna read, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Now Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to the cross, he knows he's gonna die, and he's like, I gotta go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. How many know the world is wrong? How many know the world is missing it? And the Holy Spirit is there to, to prove the world wrong. Um, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you will see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than now that you can bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And verse 14 really brings it home. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus is speaking, and he's saying he's going to glorify Christ. He's going to glorify Christ. Who is this Holy Spirit? I want to take just a few moments to talk about him. And this is not going to be an exhaustive explanation of the Holy Spirit. But as it relates to what Jesus is saying, that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the thing that either gets you in or gets you out. It's important to know what he does. First of all, the Holy Spirit helps us. He is our helper. He is our advocate, the helper. That's what it's talking about in this passage, John 16. He helps us in every possible way. So I just wanna say this. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. The Holy Spirit is actively looking, if you are a follower of Christ, and even if you are not, he is actively looking to help you bring you to God. That's what he's trying to do. And if you are a follower of Christ, he wants to help you in every way. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament that the, that the eyes of the earth the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The Holy Spirit is moving constantly. And if you look to God and you say, God, I want your help, God will be right there and he will help you. So that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's helping us. One of the ways that he helps us is reminding us of who we are and whose we are. Romans 8 says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. One of the ways the Holy Spirit works is if you're a follower of Christ being like, no, you're a child of God. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe that you're not good enough. No, you are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the most high God. You are royalty. You are significant. You are important. You are bought with a price. You have meaning and purpose and destiny and promise. The Holy Spirit will come when you're discouraged and he will remind you of that. Second, the Holy Spirit shows us what is ahead. He says, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Let me just say this. Do you know what is ahead of you if you are a follower of Christ? Good things. Good things. Like great things. Like if God is good and he does good, then good things are ahead of you if you are a follower of Christ. God wants to help you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to bring good things into your life. And do you know what else is ahead of you? 
heaven. Heaven is ahead of you. The best is yet to come. It's not just hyperbole, y'all. It's fact. It's real. Come on, that's encouraging. As bad as this world can be, there is another world that lasts forever that awaits every believer, and it is beautiful, and it is wonderful. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that. He says, no, 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 come on. You can, you can get through this because the best is yet to come. The Holy Spirit speaks truth to us. Jesus said that he will speak, he will, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Let me just tell you this. The enemy of your soul hates you, and how does he show and demonstrate his hate? By speaking lies to you. He lies to you. He wants you to get to believe lies that are not true. Things about yourself. Things about your spouse. Things about the world. Things about your situation. He wants to deceive. He wants to disrupt. But the Holy Spirit will speak truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. John 16, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So he does all of these things. But I believe that the primary work of the Holy Spirit the thing that Jesus is trying to get across in this passage is this. The Holy Spirit points us to our Savior. He points us to our Savior. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for all of our hearts. Keep bringing us back to Jesus. Verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me. Verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. That's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not saying bad things about the Holy Spirit. It's not saying something that the Holy Spirit, if it's the devil or saying the devil is the Holy Spirit, that's not what it's, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not is defaming the Holy Spirit's purpose, which is Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to bring us to Christ. So when you don't come to Christ, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what it is. So have you gone too far? Well, only if you haven't given your life to Christ. But if you're alive and you're breathing and you're here today, you have a chance today to give your life to Christ. So you haven't gone too far. You've only gone too far if you've said no to Jesus and you consistently say no to Jesus. And, you, and here's the reality. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. He wants us to understand, he wants us to understand who, who Jesus is. He wants, he wants to point us to life. He wants to point us to grace. He wants to point us to truth. He wants eternity to come online. And that happens when we put our faith in Christ. And how do we know? Our words. Our words reveal where our hearts are placed. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. What is he saying? For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. When you say, Jesus, I believe. I give you my life. I put my hope in you. I trust you. I submit to you. I make you king. I'm not gonna live for myself anymore. See, that's what Matthew did. Do you know what Matthew's, you know what Matthew did? When Jesus came to his tax collector's booth, said, follow me. Do you know what Matthew did? He just said, yes. He said, yes, Lord. Is Jesus Lord of your life? 
Is he the king of your heart? Have you made him the most important thing? Because if you haven't, today you can. And when you do, eternity erupts in your heart. And you glorify God. You fulfill your purpose. You answer the great why by saying yes. And if you haven't, if you haven't said yes, if you haven't said yes yet, you can. You can. It's simple saying, yes, God, I believe. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to live for my desires. I want to live for your, for your desires. I want to live for you. And heaven will come online and God will change you from the inside out. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate.